guys, how's it going? This is Hub. Welcome back to Teen Titans Wasteland. You know, sometimes I get kind of bummed out that uh, it being the year that it is, we don't have some of the fancy-ass advances that I was predicting we would have by the year 2016. Like, I, I think the general one people go to is jetpacks. And sure, I would like a jetpack, but I think in general, more things should be floating by now. We've had magnets going on for quite some time, and sometimes that gets me down. But my wife and I just got a bidet, and it's fucking awesome. It's this fancy-ass Japanese toilet seat thing. You guys should all get them. I have been pooping like a caveman my whole goddamn life. No more. No more. So now, every time I get down and I think, Ah, man, the future. Where's all my fancy shit? Why isn't anything flying? I think, you know what? I poop in a robot. It's awesome. Anyway, let's get on to some Teen Titan talk, why don't we? Hmm? Let's. Today's synopsis rhyme is submitted by John from Oklahoma. Hi, John. Instead of swimming through the sewer and risking sepsis, why don't you hunker down and listen to this synopsis? That's a weird remix. Thanks, John. We've got a doozy for you today. It is a 52-page giant which has four separate stories in here. Teen Titans number 35, October 1971. Intruders of the Forbidden Crypt. Written by Bob Haney, drotted by George Tusca, with inks by Nick Cardi. Teen Titan Roll Call. Lilith. Kid Flash. Robin. Wonder Girl. Speedy. Mr. Jupiter has decided to open a new branch of Jupiter Labs in Verona, so he grabs a handful of his young protégés and heads off to Italy. Despite never having visited the venerable boot-shaped country before, Lilith guides the Titans on a sightseeing tour, leading them to the balcony she claims belonged to Juliet you know, of Romeo and fame. She insists that Shakespeare based his characters on true events and calls Juliet the greatest teen heroine of all time. That's a pretty bold statement. Pretend suicide followed by for real suicide equals greatest teen heroine of all time. Will somebody please get Lilith a book about Joan of Arc? Kid Flash starts goofing around and misquoting Shakespeare, and Lilith is a real asshole about correcting him. Then she passes out. When they get back to the villa Mr. J has rented, Jupiter tells them that it's no big deal. Women are always passing out in Italy, because it's exciting, and they're women. Lilith contradicts him and claims that she is afflicted by an even more serious condition than being female. She is the reincarnation of the historical Juliet. When Speedy is skeptical, Lilith starts yelling at him in shakespeare talk. Because that's how a 15th century Italian teenager would talk. In 16th century English. Jupiter tells them all to be quiet and let Lilith be crazy if that's what she wants to do. He wants to focus on the fancy, ecologically responsible science thing he is going to build. Just then, a fancy Italian businessman bursts angrily into the room. His name is Donato della Logia, and he doesn't want any science things built on his turf unless he builds them. He smashes Mr. Jupiter's science model and asks if Mr. J wants to fight him. Jupiter says, no thank you, which enrages DDL even further, after making some cryptic threats about his ancient world of family pride and power, he storms out of the room. The Titans are taken aback by the vehemence and intensity of his speech, but Mr. Jupiter continues to demonstrate his facility with blithely changing the topic by informing his youthful wards that they are all going to a costume ball that night. Hooray! The theme of the ball is medieval pageantry, so naturally, with the exception of Lilith who dresses like a princess, the Titans wear their superhero costumes. The group runs into Mr. Delalogia, who cordially introduces them to his son, Romeo, and his nephew, Calabano. Calabano, eh? I 
get that the family's going for a Shakespearean thing with the kids' names, but I'd maybe steer clear of the malformed subhuman villain names. Lilith continues to display her Julietness by being totally into Romeo, who appears to reciprocate her feelings. This makes Kid Flash inexplicably angry. The uncharacteristically irascible speedster punches the shit out of Romeo, which sparks a full-on Donnybrook. Fortunately, Wonder Girl displays a winning combination of common sense and beginner Italian, and calls the local cops, who show up and separate the combatants. Jupiter and Delalogia are dragged into court and ordered to stay away from each other. Fair enough. Lilith is so upset with Wally for starting the fight that she goes from speaking Elizabethan English to Pigeon Italian. Later that night, Romeo shows up on his go-bike and a smitten Lilith runs off with him. Hey, how come the Titans never ride their go-bikes anymore? I miss those things. A few minutes later, a still-addled Kid Flash heads outside for a walk to clear his head. Calabano's goons jump the confused crime fighter and shiv him, leaving him bleeding in the street. Dang. Meanwhile, Robin and Mr. J receive some nighttime visitors of their own. It seems that Interpol is suspicious that the Delalogia family is up to some shady business. They figured that the best people to clandestinely investigate the Delalogias are a group of foreign teenagers who have been in the country less than a week, don't speak the language, and are legally forbidden to interact with the Delalogias. Genius. Just then, Donna bursts into the room with the news that Lilith has run off with Romeo. But wherefore aren't the young lovers? Why, making out at a construction site, of course. Their smooching is interrupted by the footsteps of a night watchman, and the young couple scamper up the hillside in search of greater privacy. They stumble across a creepy old tomb, so go poking around inside it. Romantic. Inside, they find a half-mummified corpse that looks kind of like Calabano, and two empty coffins. They're a little creeped out, but not so much that they don't stick around and make out a little more. Ah, young love. Looks like Lilith has forgotten all about good old Gnark. To be fair, the rest of the Titans seem to have forgotten about him as well. Poor Gnark. At some point during all that, the Titans discover their fallen comrade and have taken Wally to the hospital. He's lost a lot of blood, but is expected to make a full recovery. In his unconscious state, he has started quoting from Romeo and Juliet as well, specifically Mercutio's line about being stabbed. Hmm. Mr. Jupiter and the remaining non-stabbed, non-possessed Titans head off to the construction site where Lilith and Romeo were last spotted. They find the creepy-slash-romantic old crypt, but when they look inside, all they find is three empty coffins. What? What happened to the young teens possessed by historically questionable ghosts that were in love? And that super-ugly mummified corpse? Stay tuned next week to find out, because it's a motherfucking cliffhanger. Damn! A Titan is Born Written by Bob Haney Drotted by George Tusca With inks by Nick Cardi Teen Titan Roll Call Mal! That's it. Just Mal. Mal is feeling kind of bummed because while the other Titans are off palling around Europe with a bunch of love ghosts, he's stuck at Jupiter Labs keeping an eye on their supercomputer, the whimsically named Think Freak, as it runs some experiments. Jupiter said it was because it just happened to be his turn at monitor duty, but Mal suspects that it's because he's new to the team and doesn't have any superpowers. He doesn't feel like he's a real Teen Titan, and plans on resigning when the others return. Ah, oh, jeez. Last time Mal felt like he wasn't a real Titan... He stowed away on a rocket to Venus. Hope Mr. J didn't leave any of those lying around the lab. As he goes to check on some computery thing or another, Mal is surprised to run into an unexpected guest. The stranger introduces himself as Dr. Victor Heller, and claims to have been an old college buddy of Jupiter's who was invited to observe his experiment in particle transduction. On the one hand, 
Heller somehow bypassed all the lab's security, and Mr. Jupiter never mentioned him. On the other hand, he brought a letter saying it's okay, and he refers to Mr. Jupiter as Jupe. So Mal decides it's cool if he stays. The two get along pretty well, and at first Mal is stoked to have some company. So he does what anyone would do when getting to know a new friend. Set up a broomstick on a couple of cinder blocks, turn on some calypso beats, and start limboing. Damn, maybe Mal does have superpowers after all, and his power is partying. Heller is initially amused by Mal's island-inspired gyrations, but when Mal tells him that the dance is called the limbo, he freaks the fuck out. Exclaiming that the word limbo is not to be taken lightly, the distraught doctor flees the room. Well, that wasn't suspicious. After Heller leaves, Mal notices that some of the calculations he had fed into the old think freak had been altered on his clipboard. Hmm. A suspicious Mal enters a bunch of information about Jupe's purported pal into the supercomputer, and the think freak eventually spits out a punch card informing the intrepid inputter that Dr. Heller is in fact none other than... The Gargoyle! You know, that asshole from issue 14, who we'll find out in 15 years is actually Brom Stick from the Titans' first adventure. But he's been stuck in limbo ever since Robin used some tiny pliers to break his ring. That kind of explains why the word limbo freaked him out. But how did he escape? Well, it turns out that Mal entered some wrong information into a supercomputer, and when you do that, it opens up a dimensional rift into limbo. Okay. Once Gargi got free, he changed the info on Mal's clipboard so he wouldn't adjust the dials on the computer to their proper setting and send the gargoyle back to limbo. So, Mal adjusts the dials on the computer to their proper setting and sends the gargoyle back to limbo. Hooray! I mean, they fight for a while first, and the gargoyle gloats and gives a villain speech when he thinks he's won, and Mal does some soul-searching and and realizes that he is a real titan after all, but pretty much, Mal adjusts the dials on the computer to their proper setting and sends the gargoyle back to limbo. Hooray! Then we get a couple of reprints. The Doom Hunters. Written by Jack Miller. Drotted by Ramona Freyden. Teen Titan Roll Call. Aqualad! and featuring Aquaman. In this reprint of a story from a 1964 issue of World's Finest, this super douchey guy named Wally Welke tries to get Aquaman and Aqualad to help him set up a super dangerous underwater scavenger hunt for his Daredevil Club. Aquaman tells him to fuck off, so the alliteratively named asshole sets up the stunts himself. Then, Aquaman and Aqualad have to spend the whole next day rescuing club members from the dangerous shit Welke sets up. They save one guy from a whirlpool and another guy from some exploding mines that were on a rotting old boat. Then the aquatic adventurers try to stop some gunmen who were boating away from an apparent robbery, but the thieves throw a damn net on them. A net! Those guys hate nets. Those thieves are assholes. Aqualad requests some assistance from his finny friends, and with some help from a swordfish and an electric eel, the damp duo manage to accomplish the seemingly impossible task of getting out of a net. Hooray. Then it's back to rescuing idiots from a shitty scavenger hunt. They stop some coral from falling on a dude named Tom, who is apparently Welke's cousin. Turns out the whole treasure hunt was a scheme to kill Tom, so Welke would inherit the family fortune. Also, Welke was behind the thieves throwing that net! Fuck that guy! Welke pulls a gun on Aquaman, so Aqualad majestically rides a dolphin out of the ocean to punch that net-throw-arranging jerk right in his stupid face. Hooray. Then we have... Have Arrow, Will Travel. Written by Robert Bernstein, trotted by Lee Elias. Teen Titan Roll Call. Speedy, 
In this reprint of a 1959 adventure comic story, Speedy doesn't have enough money to buy a sailboat. Aw, poor kid. The aspiring young archer takes out an ad in the paper offering to use his archery skills to do odd jobs around town. He uses a bunch of trick arrows to clean a factory smokestack, collect golf balls, cut down some trees, and most importantly, he shoots a parachute onto a runaway monkey. Fuck yes he does. Then some gangster dudes posing as target manufacturers pretend they want to hire him to test targets. But really, they're just trying to switch his arrows for exploding time bomb arrows so they can kill him in Green Arrow. Fuck those guys. Look, I've had my issues with Speedy in the past too, but that guy shot a parachute onto a monkey. You can't just blow a guy like that up. What if another monkey needs a parachute? Anyway, a bee makes Speedy miss a shot or something, and he figures out that those target manufacturers are a bunch of dickbags before he blows up. Hooray! But he loses his wallet, and now he can't afford a new boat. Oh no. Maybe someone can hold a telethon for that poor boatless teen. Fortunately, he saves a boat manufacturer from getting run over, and the grateful industrialist gives him just what he wanted. More monkey parachute arrows! Just kidding. It's a sailboat. Hooray! And joining us once again is my good-for-many-things brother, Corey. Corey, how's it going? It's going pretty good. How are you? I'm doing okay. I considered downgrading you once again to good-for-some-things because of your air horn transgression last episode. But I'm going to let it slide. You're still good-for-many-things. Thank you. So, what'd you think? You know, there was a lot going on in this book. There was so much going on in this book. This is our first 52-page issue. So we had two new Teen Titans stories and then two reprints, and it was a bear to write that synopsis. (laughs) I can imagine. But I gotta say, on some level or another, I really enjoyed all four of the the stories in it. Mm -hmm. And I am uh, delighted to see Aqualad and also not have to ponder what he's up to, because we know. Yeah, we we do. We Majestically know. riding a dolphin into some asshole and punching him. It's a little bit of a cheat because it is a reprint of a story from, I think that one was 1964. It is weird seeing the reprints, and I think you were commenting too, like, it, it's not really that long ago mm-hmm. from when these issues are coming out that the reprints are from. One is from 64, which is only a couple years before the issues we started on. Mm-hmm. And one is from 59, which... Granted, that's like 11 or 12 years, but it's so different, the artwork. The art changed drastically. Yeah, Yeah. and I really like both the artwork, especially with the Aquaman story. I'm a huge fan of Ramona Freyden. And the, I don't know if you noticed this, but the Speedy backup story, the art was by Lee Elias, who's the guy that wrote the uh, wet, or who drew the Wet and Wild episode. Oh, I didn't make that connection. Yeah. Hmm. So, I mean... It's the same artist, but it's so different, and mm. Speedy looks like he's about 11. Mm-hmm. Yeah, both both of the uh, the reprints, the, the Titans look super young. Yeah. Like, almost pre, pre-teen. So, let's put the reprints on the back burner and start off with the first story. Sure. There was some shit going on, man. There was. So, I have a theory as to what was going on here. Lilith got possessed by the spirit of... The historical figure that Juliet was based on. Okay. And that made her an expert in the Shakespeare play. Okay. Which was written like a hundred years after the events were supposed to take place. The fuck did you think was up with that? I was just trying to let it wash over me and enjoy the (laughs) wild ride. It bothered me. It really bothered me. I was just like, wait, so how would she know the Shakespeare play that was definitely a fictionalized version of this and like knew it note for note? Like, correct... Kid Flash, or is it Kid Flash? 
or is it speedy initially? I, it's really it's, tough to tell them apart when they're out of uniform because their hair is very similar. Mostly, and, Speedy started off giving her the hard time, and then Kid Flash kind of chimed in at the end. Well, that's when they're giving her the hard time, but I think it was Kid Flash first who was just say, like, doing the... Where art thou? Wherefore art thou, Romeo? Mm-hmm. Which is the very common way that that is quoted, mm-hmm. and she flips on him and it's like it's why for art thou romeo because she is railing against the fact that she is in love with him not saying where are you but like why do you exist why must i feel this way yeah i didn't attribute that to possession i just attributed it to her to her being like she's not normally a bitch like that and she was being real bitchy well no not the attitude just her knowledge of the material i thought maybe she was like like a drama nerd in high school or something okay lil does have some drama nerd tendencies but I do not believe that she was a drama nerd in high school Hmm. because she does not wear big floppy hats enough for that. Touche. My theory is that, okay, so she is being possessed by the historical figure that the Shakespeare play is based on. Okay. That was Juliet, Mm -hmm. who was the greatest teen heroine of all time. Mm -hmm. That's some bullshit. Juliet was not much of a heroine. Yeah, I didn't really get why she said that. Yeah, well, I think maybe that was just ego. Because she was Juliet at that point, so she's just like, yeah, I'm the greatest. Mm. And the other possible explanation for why she knows so much about Shakespeare is, as you brought up in the last issue, with Gregory the Ghost, Mm -hmm. dude had been hanging around that island for 300 fucking years. Mm. So, Juliet, you're hanging around fucking Rome for 300 years. Mm -hmm. There's a play that's about you that's being put on. Pretty much all the time. You're probably going to see, yeah. There's always a production of that going on somewhere in Verona, probably. Mm Mm-hmm. So she's probably sat in on it a few times. She's probably watched it a bunch. Sure. And it's about her. And she's like, oh, I like this part. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to watch this shit. So here's a question. If you hadn't read the last issue, would you have jumped to the possession angle right away? Well, she says that she's possessed by the spirit of Juliet. I mean, she says it in text. Yeah. So, yeah, I think I would have picked up on that from... I'm a pretty good detective, but I think I could have picked up on that from the fact that it is stated in text. I forgot about that. Um, yeah. Well, I'm no Batman, but I am the world's greatest detective. Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. There's some other weird shit going on in that issue, though, that is less sensible than that. Part of it is... That they decide to wear their Teen Titans costumes to a costume ball that happens. Well, with that is a medieval-themed costume ball. With slight modifications, they'll fit right in. Of which... They made none. Well, <laughs> no. Um, Juliet... What modifications? Okay, Lilith, yes, just dressed as a princess. Yeah. That's the only... All one. of the other <laughs> Titans yeah. just wore their costumes. Flash is like, what? It's a... Everybody wore every, every, body suits back then. Everybody wore full spandex body suits. <laughs> and little lightning bolts coming off of their totally ears. Totally medieval. Yeah, man. Just medieval times. Yep. That's what we did. Yep. Yeah. The only one that that would apply to maybe would be Speedy. Um, with his little hat. With his little hat and his little Bowman outfit. Mm-hmm. Like, I was like, okay, maybe there were... And it's a masquerade ball, so you're wearing a mask. Okay, I get that. Robin doesn't look like he's from medieval times. Nope. He looks like Robin. Yep. And there's the fact that in the context of this costume ball... Their disguises fool no one. Right. Everybody recognizes them instantly. Mm -hmm. And then when Interpol comes to talk to Robin and uh, Mr. J Mm -hmm. later that night at the hotel, he's not wearing his costume. And 
Mr. Jupiter introduces him to the Interpol police as, oh, this is Dick. He's the leader of the Teen Titans. Mm-hmm. Is secret identities just something that's for America? Like, did they think, ah, it's never going to get back to them back e- back in the States? Mm. Well, there was no internet. Yeah, but there were telephones. Yeah, I don't know. And there were newspapers. It, it, that bothered me. It's <laughs> <laughs> so funny. It's funny that that bothered I mean, it's understandable that bothered you, but there's so many inconsistencies and other You have to draw the line somewhere. And I draw the line everywhere. You got a lot of lines. What would you think of Calabano? Oh, oh, our wayward, our wayward Shakespeare crossover, yeah, guy, yeah. Is it, I, I, are they trying to create some kind of like a Shakespearean shared universe thing? Like maybe I missed something, and maybe I always left maybe before the end of like Romeo and Juliet. But then does like Samuel L. Jackson show up with like Hamlet? And be like, we're putting together a super team of teens who have killed themselves. Are you in Romeo and Juliet's ghosts? <laughs> yeah, I don't know what was up with that. I just, I guess they figured like, well, that's another Shakespeare-y kind of thing. Yeah, we need... sure. We'll get Caliban from the Tempest in on this shit. Why not? If you're naming your kids, even if you're going with a Shakespearean theme, yeah, maybe leave out fucking Caliban. Yeah. Was like, uh, was like Iago also taken? Is it just like... <laughs> A family of just evil fucks that are just like, yeah, and uh, have you met my other sons, uh, Iago and Richard III? <laughs> yeah, it, I don't understand that. Yeah, it's the metaphor that I was using when I was trying to describe it earlier was like, it would be if like you were a big Fantastic Four fan. And so you're like, yeah, I'm a big fan of the Fantastic Four. So anyway, these are my kids, Reed and Mole Man. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that was an interesting choice. I'm curious as to see what's going on with the Caliban thing, though, because mm-hmm. they're setting something up. The corpse that looked like him that was in the crypt mm-hmm. was wearing the same shirt. I think that's how they knew it looked like him because his Romeo. face was totally mummified. Like it didn't look, look anything like him. And it didn't look anything like him in his body or. And also on the cover mm-hmm. of the book, there is. Ostensibly Caliban, right? Or, or sorry, it, it Caliban. Just looks like the hunchback of the Notre of Notre Dame figure that's shown up on a bunch of covers so far, where he wasn't. Did you think really that that was not him? No, I thought it was Caliban or Calibano. Me, um, <laughs> mom. Uh oh. So <laughs> I understand we have some uh, some listeners in Italy. Welcome, guys. There, there are some of you. Uh, uh, please let us know how wonderful our Italian accents are. <laughs> And we're sorry. (laughs) Yeah, I am taking all of my cues from the Italian accents that were featured in the fine film Black Belt Jones. (laughs) In which there are several mafia members who are clearly played by old Irish gentlemen. And it features one of my favorite cinematic lines ever. Not my absolute favorite. My absolute favorite is, of course, Morris Day from Purple Rain. Where he pops his head back in the room to talk to Prince and says, such a jerk. How's the family? (laughs) But closing in on that is the non-Italians playing Italians in Black Belt Jones who say, Mamma Mia, I'm trying to eat my spaghetti over here. Yeah. And that's where I take most of my accent work cues. So take that for what it's worth. Anyway, uh, I completely <laughs> forgot what we were talking about. We were talking about, is that a Calibano on the cover? <laughs> yeah, it has to be Calibano. 
it's tough to tell. It's like I said, I feel like they were trying to skirt the line between like, if we can make this look like it's the Hunchback of Notre Dame, then we can get that monster angle we're trying to put in on all of our covers now because we can do supernatural shit. Yeah, this issue was, it did continue with the monstery business. Well, and with the supernatural business. Mm-hmm. It was pretty spooky at parts. When they're hanging out in the crypt and they see the mummified corpse that they think is Calabano for Dude, some reason. That, I don't care. And I think it is Calabano, frankly. Yeah. I think he was dressed up and was sneaking in there. Without the... I, okay, Lost is a pretty powerful thing, but I think without the possession angle, you're not going to be like, like, hey, let's go make out in a let's crypt. Let's go make out in a crypt. And then see the guy that's like, oh, that looks like my cousin, but he's a dead mummy, and let's just keep maybe making out anyway. Skip out the fact that he might be your cousin. Just in he's general, like, mummy. oh, there's a corpse. Just be like, that's not hey, sexy. you, uh, n- not only... Because, like, you know, we, I think... I'm maybe I'm making some assumptions. We've probably both made out in graveyards before, right? I it's I've definitely hung out in graveyards. Yeah, I don't know if I made out in one. I'm pretty sure I have. It's probably it's, happened. You're 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 young. You're yeah. You're full of beans. Um, <laughs> you're in a graveyard uh, with quiet. with the person that you're attracted to, and you're like, ooh, spooky. Hey, oh, um, sure. but. I believe that if I went inside a mausoleum to make out, which I have never done, <laughs> and there was just a fucking corpse lying there exposed, yeah, I would not be like, more smooches, please. Mm-hmm. I-, I would be like, yeah, there's a corpse there. We are leaving because that is creepy as fuck. Yep. That was one of the lines that I drew in this issue. <laughs> <laughs> it's important to set boundaries for yourself. I agree. I am not making out in any Muslims with mummified guys or girls. Okay, in any okay. She wasn't making out with a mummified guy. No, with them present. Okay, yeah. No, good call. Thanks. What, what else happened that was weird in that? Uh, Interpol contacting the Teen Titans to infiltrate the Della Logia family. But good on Robin for not being that finky. Yeah, yeah, because Mr. Ju- Mr. Jupiter's fucking weird in this issue. And I don't know if maybe there's a possession angle with him, but he comes <laughs> off as super weird in a lot of contexts. First of all, just being really sexist. When Lilith first is saying, like, I think I'm possessed by the spirit of Juliet. Before that comes up, he's like, oh, so she passed out? Big deal. Italy's an exciting place. Females often pass out when they're in Italy for the first time. Anyway, and she's like, no, 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 before we get to anyway, I'm possessed by the ancient spirit of Juliet. And then she gets into a fight with Wally, and Mr. Jupiter's response is just like, now, now, everybody calm down. If she wants to be crazy, let her be crazy. Yeah. Yeah, no, he's he's very, uh... He's dismissive, but also just like, but let's talk about what I want to talk about. Mm-hmm. Look at my... Look at my Project. model that I built of ecologically sound science times mm-hmm. that we're going to have. We'll save Italy. Save Italy from... Okay, do you think the Delalogias are, like, mafiaed up? That seemed to be the implication. They're a, they're a very powerful family that has more power than the government, and he's very braggy about that, and then Interpol wants them investigated. Okay, I just mm-hmm. wanted to make sure we were on the same page with it. That's the implication, but, but it's possible there'll be another, maybe more supernatural angle revealed at some point. Oh, Mafia vampires? Or just, like, uh, warlocks. Oh, Mafia warlocks. Yeah, you know, Mafia warlocks. Yeah. He did seem to imply that he was, like, behind somehow the the weird ghost shit that was happening. Mm-hmm. But also he wasn't happy about his son being in on it. Mm-mm. 
But maybe Caliban was happy about that. I don't know. It was very confusing. Were they his... How did that work out? I forget. So Calabano is his nephew. His nephew. Romeo okay. is his son. Okay, that makes more sense. Yeah. Because otherwise you'd have like one normal kid and one kind of messed up kid. That that can happen. Have you ever seen the documentary Twins? With mm. Arnold Schwarzenegger and Danny DeVito? <laughs> the documentary. Yeah, that's a, an informative. It teaches bit. you a lot. Did you hear about the... Here's something that pissed me off about that movie. <laughs> <laughs> okay, go ahead. Okay. Every time they introduce themselves, and it's Arnold Schwarzenegger and Danny DeVito, mm-hmm. they would say, we're not identical. Mostly Arnold Schwarzenegger would say that part of it. Sure. Or he would say it with that accent. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing. The way they described the process, they were, in fact, identical twins. Because they said that the cell split, and all of the good stuff went to Arnold Schwarzenegger, and all of the bad stuff went to Danny DeVito. Mm-hmm. That means that they're identical twins. If they were fraternal twins, it would have been two separate eggs that were fertilized at the same time. So, I guess what I'm saying is, it really upset me. And I haven't seen that movie in probably 20 years now, at least. Thank but you. it has stuck with me that that movie had bad science in it. That's the only thing that bothered you. <laughs> that was the only <laughs> thing that bothered me. Other than that, perfect film. Uh, it was a delight. It was. I remember enjoying it as a child. I didn't have the yeah, same well, grasp of um, reproductive technology. <laughs> or science. <laughs> I guess. Be more accurate. Always bothered me. Continues to to this day. Good to know. All right. So, so, so Caliban what I'm saying is, is Caliban is DeVito. <laughs> what, is it Dorito? DeVito. Oh. oh. Yeah, no, they're not identical twins. They're cousins. And they're not identical cousins. Like Good. Patty Duke was. Uh Patty Duke show. She played identical cousins. Okay. It's a good show. I've heard. I've never seen it. Yeah, it's pretty good. Better than twins? Yeah, in that the science didn't piss me off. Identical cousins totally possible. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I'm I'm curious as to what's going to happen coming up in this issue. Another cliffhanger. Yeah, another cliffhanger. I hope hope Wally's going to be okay. The whole Mercutio angle, like... He got stabbed as... He got stabbed as fuck. Pretty... Bad. I feel like Mercutio just in general probably wouldn't have watched Romeo and Juliet as many times as Juliet would have, mm. even being a ghost. So that's why Wally doesn't know all of the shit mm. about the play. Mm. So let's move on to the Mal backup story. A Titan is born. This was a delight. I I was glad to see Mal get a chance to shine. Mm-hmm. It is some straight up Haney goofiness, mm-hmm. but also kind of kind of had a darker tone to it. I'm a little bit sick of one thing, which is Mal continuing to question whether he's a titan i thought he took care of that shit when he stole a rocket ship and went to venus and then again when uh the cave people thought he was a god yeah cave people think you're a god that's got to be pretty good for your ego he really embraced that too yeah yeah he clasped his hands and held them over his head i thought he was really owning that yeah and then when he fucking stole superman's hat to to punch his skeleton caveman that he killed yeah that's all great shit Mm mm-hmm I, yeah. I really thought he was over this inferiority complex thing, and I, I'm a little bit disappointed that they keep writing it back in. But but if they do it great. again after this, they're doing a shitty job because that was the whole cross. They do this, it again this, after this. Do they? God yeah. damn it! Because this was supposed to be like his, like a almost like a coming of age, like yeah. like I did it on my own. Yeah, I'm great. Hey. Yeah, and he did it. He did do great. He really entered those numbers into that think freak and sent <laughs> gargoyle back to limbo. That's what I'm going to start calling my computer. Think Freak? 
get a little sticker for it yeah. that says Think Freak on the side? Probably not, but I, I did like that they did that. I liked that they did that, too. I It also, it did throw me for a loop, because when the dude first showed up, mm-hmm. I didn't think he was a bad guy, necessarily. Like, I, he's like, I maybe he's he like a nice guy. Maybe one of Joop's old buddies. I didn't think he was one of Joop's old buddies. Like, I knew something weird was going on that he showed up out of the rainstorm and bypassed all of the... Alarms. Alarms and shit. But I thought maybe he was like a Jiminy Cricket type guy that he was like really like mm-hmm. mouse like here to help inner strength. Confident. Help him be the best that he could be. Sure. And it did throw me for a little bit of a loop when he was just like, oh, something's up with this guy. Mm-hmm. But what I loved was when Mal started limboing. For no, and we find out it's part of his training no reason other He's than like, to, yeah, I limbo all the time. Yeah. That's how I stay in shape. I limbo by myself excellent, all the time. Excellent body training. Yeah. And, and he thinks he doesn't have any fucking superpowers. He is limboing the shit out of that too. Because Dude, it is sitting on one cinder block. Mm-hmm. He is lim- Like the tall way, but still. Yeah. Nobody can do that, actually, I don't think. Malcan. Can people do that? Yeah. Oh, it's amazing. I'm not much of a limbo expert, but that seems I really... Don't, I don't limbo much. My grandpa was a pretty good limboer. That's a low bar, though. Not your grandpa, but the... Yeah, the, no, no, on no. Top, no. On, top of the, <laughs> on top of the cinder blocks. Yeah, no, that was impressive, man. man. But, of course, old uh, Mr. Gargoyle, before he came, <laughs> just like... Argh! He can't handle it. word limbo, no! They that's... show him, like, dashing off the scene. He's just like, ah! And he runs away. <laughs> and I was like, what the... What's going on, man? Limbo schmimbo. It's just a word. <laughs> no, it's very serious, man. Limbo is some big shit. Be careful yeah. with your words, man. I pointed out too. This is we do find out later that the gargoyle is in fact Bromstick, but we don't find that out until like an issue of Secret Origins, like that came out in like '84 or something like that. Uh, so really laying the groundwork there. Mm. Once he changes into his gargoyle costume, too, mm-hmm. he is a straight-up murderous jerk. Oh, yeah. Like, he is, he, he just, he wants to kill Mal and leaves a, leave his corpse for the Titans to find. Yeah, and revenge. And he calls his costume his killing suit. Yeah, the dude's fucking creepy. Yeah. He's I'm still put off by, like, the dish glove aspect of the glove part of his uniform. Because they draw, they draw the seam of where his gloves are, but they don't draw the seam of where his boots are. Oh, yeah. So it looks like he's a gargoyle, but... Then, like but wearing, a gargoyle who's wearing gloves. Like, like yeah, really, like, shitty gargoyle costume gloves. Maybe he's got, like, germophobia type shit. Maybe so. I mean, Limbo's a weird place. Anything can happen in there. No, he's uh, he's, he's scratchy, and he jumps, and he kicks, and, he's and got a just beak a and nasty... I really curtain. wanted Mal to pull out some tiny pliers. <laughs> just freaking him he's out. Gonna be, not again. No, not the tiny flyers. <laughs> oh, God. Ah. If you put wrong information into a computer, then it opens a portal to limbo? Well, I... But then if you put the information back, then not only does it close the portal, but it undoes everything that got done by entering the wrong information. Oh, we've discussed this before. Mr. Jupiter is very rich. Oh, you're right. His... Think Freak is the best Think Freak that we've got. Yeah, it's one of those supercomputers that can undo reality. Yeah, or send a gargoyle back to Limbo. <laughs> I think that's how it's pronounced. Limbo. Here. Limbo! <laughs> hey! <laughs> Whenever I hear the word Limbo, the music for the, the, the theme music to the cartoon Tailspin plays in my mind. I can't remember what that is. Is that like. Oh, a- yeah, Tailspin. It was. <laughs> 
<laughs> okay, yeah. It was... Why do... Oh. It's the weirdest goddamn cartoon ever. It's reimagining the Jungle Book if it took place in a science fiction version of World War II, but with jungle animals. Oh, man, that's true. Trying to run a business. And some of the bad guys are good guys now, but not others. That's very confusing. It's really confusing. It's a weird show. Yeah, we only got Channel 56. Yeah. Like... And PBS. And Channel 56 was, like, intermittent, so my cartoon <laughs> exposure was pretty limited. Yeah. It was tough. Man. Was Did... it as tough as not being able to afford your own sailboat? It wasn't <laughs> that bad. That cracked me up, man. So, are, are we done with the, the Mal Gargoyle story? Yeah. Is there anything else about that you wanted to bring up? I do really like that, and I don't know if... The gargoyle was referred to this before, but Mal called him uh, Old Gargi. Yeah, yeah, no, I liked that too. And I, th- I think he has been referred to as Gargi before, and I certainly have shortened it to Gargi before. But yeah, no, Mal, Mal has some pretty good speeches in there too. Mm-hmm. It's a good showing for Mal. I'm glad that he's got his Titan mojo back and considers himself a full Titan. Mm-hmm. Now, I always did. Do you think that Jupiter was on the up and up when he was saying, like, do you think Mr. Jupiter considered him a Teen Titan? Was it really his turn at monitor duty? Or is it like, it's always his turn at monitor duty? Yeah, I don't know. I'd, I'd probably read some stuff into that that wasn't necessarily right, I, but... I'm not sure. I still don't fully trust Mr. Jupiter. Well. Uh, but he's the richest man in the world. Hmm. And therefore most trustworthy. Yet, something seems slightly off. Yeah. Well, so, then we get to the Aquaman story. Mm. What do you think of the Aquaman story? You know, I thought it it was fun, and it, even though that there was threat of violence and death and everything involved in it, it had a sort of more, like, kind of goofy, like, lighthearted adventure yeah. time it's, feel. It seemed, I really thought it was much earlier a story than it was. It was apparently from the mid-60s. And I always have loved Ramona Freyden's art, and she was an artist with DC for a very long time, really from the Golden Age throughout the Silver Age, and did some work in the 70s, too, and did uh, actually illustrated a couple of the uh, Super Friends comic book for a little while Hmm. in the late 70s. And I love her artwork. This particular issue, it it feels like a real throwback to Golden Age stuff. But it was was fun. I liked it. Wally Welkie seems like a real piece of shit. So... Again, we get back to the complicated genetics of superhero families and extended families. Yeah. So, at the end of it, Welky is his is Aquaman's cousin. No, he's right? not related to Aquaman. He's related to Tom. I got so confused. So <laughs> apparently, so no. he's trying to kill Tom. He's trying to, to kill get the Tom inheritance to get and, and the Aquaman inher- the family and inheritance. Get, we're just pesky getting in the way, and that's yeah, why yeah, yeah. That's why them. he wanted to kill them. That's why he wanted to throw a net at them. So why in the beginning jerk. did he ask them for? Was that him or Tom? That no, that was him. That he asked them to help set up the uh, the, the clues and shit. The, I think just because he's lazy. Mm. He's like, oh, God, I got to blame this whole death trap just to get an inheritance. Yeah, these guys are real good at swimming. Maybe I'll get them to do it. Hey, okay. swimmy guys. Yeah, plan, help me plan this death trap thing. And they're like, no thanks. And he's like, okay, you guys are on the fucking list. Yeah. <laughs> Done. <laughs> I'm going to throw an electrified net in the ocean to trap you. Yeah, you'll have to. It'll take all your swordfishes and electron keels to get out of Gosh, it. Gosh, how electrics, yeah. electrics work. Yeah. And I did really like when Aqualad rode a dolphin out of the water to punch him in the face. Yep. That was pretty rad. Yep. So, the Speedy story. Ah. Uh, what a hoot. 
that was really fun. Yeah. This I liked me... all of his trick arrows. They were all really fun. He he deployed a lot of different trick arrows in this to do different things. What a hardworking young man, too. Yeah. I... He deserves that sailboat. <laughs> and, you know, what a nice story. Like, you, you, you work hard. Uh, bad guys try and blow you up. You save a life, you get a sailboat. That's like such a good moral. It was the thing where he dropped his wallet, too. They clearly just threw that in at some point and then never came. Like, the bad guy notices, oh, looks like he dropped his wallet. Mm-hmm. They didn't show the bad guy picking up the wallet or saying, hey, you dropped your wallet or anything. Yeah. Um, they, but just, they, because that was the thing that allowed them to switch the arrow out, right? Uh, no, they were switching the arrows out. Just They were doing anyway. that anyway. Oh. Um, they just noticed that he dropped his wallet. And they're like, oh, now this is a good time to switch the arrows out? Or? No, I'm not even sure it coincided. I think they were switching out the arrows, and they also noticed that he dropped his wallet. Oh, because um, without that, then getting the free sailboat at the end would have been like, oh, like come on, really? You, you, got, like, you need two sailboats? You deserve money and a sailboat? <laughs> come on. Jeez. Yeah, no, that was. I think that's the whole reason that was in there. <laughs> Well, people aren't going to believe it if, if, if we let him keep all his hard-earned money. I did also. There was something really charming to me about... Th- this one is from earlier. It's from 59. Mm. Uh, but there's something really charming to me about showing Ollie Queen smoking a pipe as he's saying, like, I don't know. I do give you plenty of allowance when I was a boy. He's like, I know, I know. You got jobs. Mm-hmm. But the something about Ollie smoking a pipe I really enjoyed. Oh, it's very uh, kind of avuncular. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, I that was fun, and right, clearly from the synopsis, monkey gets a parachute. Oh my god! <laughs> so <laughs> awesome. use an arrow to shoot a parachute onto a monkey. I love that. <laughs> to poor monkey, he's about to go to those high tension wires because, like, if you're a monkey, you're scared. Yeah. If you're in a tree, you're gonna go jump on the wires and yeah, electrocute yourself to death. Yeah, and you but do not want that to happen. Not with Speedy to, around. To not to your most valuable monkey. Not even the no. AS. ASPCA can get that monkey out of a tree. No, and they tried their best. No, it takes a special (laughs) monkey parachute arrow. And the scene where the monkey's floating down out of the tree. Just Uh, I had that as a favorite panel. Yeah, Um, I I, I did choose a favorite panel from each of the four stories, and that was without a doubt my favorite from that story. So let's segue into those. Uh, Did you have a favorite panel from any of the non-main stories? Because I got for I, I already discussed it. It's definitely Aqua Lad punching with the majestic dolphin leap punch is my favorite. Yeah, I, panel I, from that story. I had two. One was that one, and yeah. then the other one was the the monkey parachuting down. Yeah, out of the then tree. the monkey parachuting down. Okay, it's, so it's, clearly we're in agreement like, on the backup issues. There's nothing to argue with about that. It's yeah. if a monkey takes <laughs> yes, if an arrow shoots a parachute onto a monkey. That's my favorite panel. Yeah. And also the scene, too, the, like where you don't realize who's got a parachute. They're like, that monkey's got to touch those wires. And kid by, or Speedy's like, I'll take care of this. And he's like, oh, my God, he's going to kill that fucking monkey. <laughs> you really <laughs> thought he was going to shoot the monkey? No, but that's the way it was drawn. I was like, oh, I don't Where is this going? <laughs> From the Mal part, what was your favorite panel? I actually had two. The first one is on page five, and I called it Jumping Gargoyle Quam, which is the noise that, that Mel's head makes when it bashes into the That's machine. pretty good. Mine is uh, Limbo Time, <laughs> where it is Mal doing the limbo under for exercise, which he does all the time. Yeah, the gargoyle in his 
Dr. Heller disguise, being like, mm-hmm. oh, that seems fun. What are you doing? It's the limbo. What? <laughs> no, please. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was a good one for sure. Uh, my, my other one that's probably the top one from that is on page seven, and I call it A Titan is Born, and it's that last panel where he's like looking out the window and he's kind of raising sun. his arms. He's raising his arms, kind of like the caveman yeah. had just called like, him a god. He's like, I'm the greatest. <laughs> and uh, yeah, there's the sun rising streaming through, the in through the window. It's... Yeah, no, that is nice too. Favorite panel from the main story, I would probably call it. No. Okay. Mine from that, I call Smashy Smashy. <laughs> And it is Donato della Logia. Mm-hmm. Logia or Logia? I'd say Logia. Okay. Donato della Logia. Mamma mia, he's eating his spaghetti. No, he, uh, he is taking his sword cane and he is just smashing the shit out of Mr. Jupiter's model for no reason other than spite. He's such a dick. Oh, he's a total fucking dickbag. Fuck like, that guy. Right after that, too, he takes it and he like tw- twirls it in Lilith's face. Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, ah! Well, then he threatens this and then he challenges Mr. Jupiter to a duel. Mm-hmm. He's like, no, I'm not gonna fucking duel. He's like, oh, it's like, oh, I assume now you want to duel me, but I'm the greatest sword fighter and gunman in Italy. And Mr. Jupiter's like, no, I don't want to duel you. Yeah, that's it's like, dumb. You don't? Oh, Okay. That makes him even more mad. But I smashed your model. Didn't you see yeah. that? Yeah. What an ass. Yeah, and then he gets out his sword cane and he, like, yeah. It says, the ancient world will affect you and your children. There's a really nice scene after that where he's like, he's like, will affect you and your children. And then he leaves. And Wonder Girl says, we're not really your children. And Mr. Jupiter says, well, you kind of are. That's I decided. <laughs> but... Let's talk about this costume ball. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's very that, that was that was pretty fun. Okay, favorite dialogue. What do you got? Um I like on page ten of the main story, and it's part of a larger bit of dialogue where Wonder Girl uses the turn of phrase buzz the fuzz. Yes. To refer to calling the cops. Yes, she had just enough knowledge of Italian to buzz the fuzz. Probably from um the Pimsler Studio. Learn Italian from tapes. Yeah, probably. Thank heavens who called the, the police, but who called them? I did. Lucky that was my easy Italian lesson today. How to buzz the fuzz. Scusi. <laughs> that may not have the phrase that she... That's all I remember That's, from the Yeah, no, Italian no, that just thing. sounds like how to buzz the fuzz. That, I don't know, that might not be about calling the police. Yeah. It might be grooming tips. Um... <laughs> I had I had another choice too from that. Okay, what well, what was your other choice? Story, because um, there were there were some really good ones in there. There was, and and I like it though when a possessed Lilith insensate Claude that was up there too for sure. But there was another time in which she says, "Love is its own interpreter, dear one," and, she, oh, and she's talking that's to nice her, too. Her, you chose nicer her, ones. Her broken me. English. I had Roman. where she's pissed off at Roy. And Wally. And she says, they're being total assholes. Wally has an excuse. He's possessed by Mercutio, who is apparently a real piece of shit. Mm. But, yeah, Roy is razzing her. And she goes, insensate Claude. There are more things in heaven and earth than are dreamt of in your your bow and arrow brain. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That one tickled me as well. Yeah. Now, that, that was pretty good. And then Wally, like I said, Wally is uncharacteristically being a dick and says, Listen to her. Sounds like half Shakespeare, half bitter teeny bopper. Who hasn't got a guy? 
Mm-hmm. Like, whoa. Yeah. Down a notch, dude. Yep. Thinking, I hope he's possessed by a 15th century dude. He probably is. I'm going to cut him some slack and assume that he is. Yep. The other one that I had from, from this story was when Calibano is fighting Robin. Mm. And there's a really nice exchange that they have. So Calabano is grabbing Robin by his tummy and yelling, This one, this frail pigeon is for Calabano to crush his bones. <laughs> Your accent. Thank you. <laughs> and then Robin's response is, I'm no pigeon friend. I'm a Robin. And I bite. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, you do kind of bite, Robin. Yeah. yeah. I just zinged Robin every, Everyone knows a Robin's bite is <laughs> the most dangerous the bite of the animal well, That's world. why he chose that. Yeah. <laughs> Strike fear into the hearts of... Yeah. Uh, criminals are a cowardly and superstitious lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not a Robin's <laughs> to, bite. To frighten them, I will don the mantle of the Robin Redbreast. <laughs> totally irritate your skin. Yeah. You. Did you have other any other favorite dialogue? Uh, that's that's the extent of what I wrote down. Okay, I had one from the Mal backup story, and there was some good stuff. There really, was, most um, of the time he's talking to himself, he, he gets some good stuff in there. But when he first notices that Heller, who we know is really the gargoyle, mm-hmm. changed the annotation on his clipboard oh, he's trying to be before he entered it in. A helper. Yeah, he's like, but my notation may have been a mistake. Yeah, maybe he just changed it to put me right. Like a helpful Harry-like. Yeah, helpful Harry, that's it. Yeah, like a helpful Harry-like. Sure, sure, that's it. <laughs> yeah, he was being a real helpful Harry. I love, too, that the, the think freak it just like has these buttons on it that none of them say anything. Oh, no, one of them says voice print feed. Well, do you know what I mean, though? Like, there's yeah. there's this large series of buttons that are just these buttons, and he's like, boop, 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 boop. Yeah, no, he figures out how to work the Think Freak, which he has never worked before, mm-hmm. really, really quickly. And this is back when supercomputers were all done with, like, punch cards and shit. Mm-hmm. So we, and so, yeah, he enters all of this data into it to try to figure out who Hella really like, is. And then is like, and gets freaked out by word limbo. Yeah. And then it's like, beep, boop, beep, boop, beep, boop, beep. One of the things I like about the card that it spits out is it says name dot 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 and then presumably they know his real name but it's just off panel. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if it did say name Brom Stick. Think Freak is that good. Think Freak knows his shit. Mm-hmm. But Mal also, in fine Titan tradition, decides that he's not going to tell anybody what happened. Nope. Yep. Oh man, he is a real Titan after all. Mr. J also invented uh, Google. Oh yeah. Turns out. Yeah, the Think Freak. Mm-hmm. Pretty great. Prescient. Pretty great. So, we know what Aqualad was up to. Yep. Thank God. But. Uh-oh. <laughs> what do you think John Gnark is up to? Dude, what happened to John Gnark? Where's Gnark? He is. I'll tell you where he is. He is lonely and pining for Lilith. And bummed yep. out that she's just, she's fickle. She's over it. She's off in Italy getting possessed by uh... you know what that was what was going on for a while Mm. but then he started hanging out in california Mm -hmm. he's like you know what i'm new to this era i'm gonna i'm gonna go to high school so he goes to high school he runs into his old buddy sean austin Mm. and his new buddy paulie shore (laughs) 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 
and he really makes himself into a real big man on campus. Oh, no. He goes to prom. Mm-hmm. They start calling him Link, short for Missing Link. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. And that, my friends, is what Gnark is probably up to. That's what happens when you fuck with the space-time continuum. <laughs> don't do it, people. Yep, you're getting a real Encino Man situation. <laughs> yeah. under no, we don't. We got one. That's enough. <laughs> well... This was a lot of fun. Thank you for joining me, Corey. Indeed. I have taken away your phone so that you could not use an air horn and interrupt me, which is important because I want to thank all of our listeners that have been really, really kind, and a lot of you have supported the Patreon already. So I'm going to start recording some bonus episodes this week. I've got a special guest who is going to do The Brave and the Bold. I think it's number 94 that the Titans are in with me. I'm really excited about that one. I think that's going to be fun. We're going to do a the world's finest that the Titans show up in. That's going to be an extra one. And we're going to put those out not instead of a regular Teen Titans episode, but in addition to it, because I really, really want to thank you guys. And I'm willing to work harder and do extra work to put that stuff out because you guys mean a lot to me. Thank you. If you would like to get in touch with us, you can do so either at the Patreon site, which is www.patreon.com backslash ttwasteland. There's the Tumblr blog, which is ttwasteland.tumblr.com. Or you can send us an email at ttwasteland at gmail.com. And we would love to hear from you. We've gotten some really wonderful feedback, and I really appreciate it. And thank you guys so very much. Indeed. And if I had an air horn... <laughs> yeah, he would be blowing it. That's why you don't have an air horn, Corey. I can see my phone. It's, like, right over there. Yeah, but you're not getting anywhere fucking near that Not thing. without knocking the mic over, so... In summation, Mamma Mia, I'm trying to eat my spaghetti over here. Enjoy, enjoy. And they know it. And then when he fucking stole Superman's hat to to punch his skeleton caveman that he killed. Yeah. That's all great shit. Mm-hmm.